Pastor Carl. I'm the lead pastor around here at this place we call Anchor Church. We're blessed to have you guys this morning. Um, I got a good sermon for you today. Now, here's the deal. It wasn't originally in the plans for me to preach this sermon this morning. Our series was going to end, the More Than a Name series, like embracing our new identity and all that God has for us, kind of came right in with our name change to Anchor Church and all that God has for us, but all that, all that God has for us as Christians. We've been talking about guys like Abram, his name being changed to Abraham. We talked about Jacob, name being changed to Israel. Simon, name being changed to Peter. And just the new identity that God has for all of us as we come to know him and our new identity in Christ and what that means. And um, I was going to start a new series this week, but I was sharing with the, the staff and Pastor Tom this past week just saying, hey, God's been speaking to me a lot, really heavy, just in my personal life, some lessons. I've been going to some conferences. He's been speaking to me. I've been reading the book of Joshua, some other things in scripture. And I feel like this is a word for the church. And so they said, yeah, put the other series on hold. Let's get in there. We want to hear straight from God. So I got a good word this morning entitled, Are We There Yet? And the reason that I wanted to talk about that is because I believe that God has a promise and a destination for us as Anchor Church. He's got a future for us, and he's given me some hints at it that we're to saturate the community, that he's called us to go bigger. And what does that look like? Because we can only afford so many parking spaces on this mountain. And, and are we going to plant other churches, other campus locations? What we're going to do, I know there's a vision that's out there that God's saying, you guys are going to go big. I'm going to use you. You're going to do some incredible things. But I'm kind of in the process where I'm like, well, when, God? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I want to get there now. Think about this. If you've ever had a place that you've wanted to go, think about this right now. What would be a dream destination that you have on planet Earth right now? What is a dream destination that you would like to get to right now? Anybody shout something out. Thailand? Tavarua? Oh, I love that one. That's surf over there. Where else? Hawaii? Did somebody say Hawaii? You're here, buddy. Yay! Congratulations. You made it. That was quick. Someone else. What did you say? Israel. Oh, how many of you guys would love to go to Israel someday? Walk where Jesus walked, where Paul? Oh, that's super cool. Any a dream destination? Anybody else? New York. That's my wife. One day, babe. One day. We're going to get there. Anyone else got some? Pyrenees Mountains? Where is that? Between France and Spain, for all of those that didn't know, because I already knew. I was just asking for you. Um, <laughs> what, someone else? Australia. I went to Australia. I love Australia. I want to go back to Australia. One of the places that I want to go is Ireland. I'm about three quarters Irish, and the other quarter is Filipino. Did you guys know that? I'm quarter flip. Bing, heads or tails. People are like, you're Irish? Yes, I'm Irish. More, the last name? Anyways, I want to go to Ireland one day. That's a dream destination. But I want to talk about destinations a little bit. And I want to talk about this, is that a couple years ago, when was it, last year? When were we going to Disney World, Florida? When did we go, Sammy? My daughter's here right now, my seven-year-old. You remember when we went? You, you just know where we went, and it was fun, yeah? So we were on our way to Florida a, a year, a couple years ago or something like that. And... Um, on the way, you've got just all the excitement of what Disneyland's, Disney World's going to be all about and how exciting we've never been there before and all that. And you just can't get there fast enough. And it's hard when um, you've got a dream destination in mind, but it's just like you can never get there fast enough. Anybody with me? It's like you got that dream, but you're just like, oh, when do I get to go? How am I going to be able to get there? And what made it tough for me was along the way, we had to do two stops. I think we flew to... 
L.A. first, and then we had to make the long trek all the way to Florida. Um, was that right? Is that where we stopped? And all I remember was this. On the shorter one, everything was cool on the plane. But on the longer one, I, first of all, I got separated from my family. They were all sitting like in the row in front of me, and I had to sit behind. And I love aisle seats. I didn't get aisle seat. I got absolute middle of the plane seat. My family separated from me. This is the long haul. And then I was seated next to, on one side, bad breath, on one side, B.O., body odor and bad breath. And the guy with the bad breath was sleeping right towards me, mouth breathing on me the whole time. <sighs> and I'm like, oh, I turned this way, oh. And so for eight hours or however long that was, I was just literally sitting there, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because I want to go to Disney World, happiest place on earth. I don't want to be between bad breath and B.O., right? And sometimes in our life, I want you to think about this. There's Dream destinations that you have, and I mean in a spiritual way. I mean in a way that's talking about achievements or goals that you have, and they may look different for all of us. Some of you guys, it, it may be a family goal. It may be, Pastor Carl, if you knew my heart, it's that I could have a family someday. I want to be married. I want to have kids. I want that whole deal. You're single right now, and that's a dream destination for you. Could be that God's been speaking to you for a while now, and he's saying, you know what? I'm capable of allowing you to dream big, and to go start your own business, and it'll be thriving. That's a destination for you. It could be that right now you're just struggling with something like depression or anger problems. You just act out in anger or something like that, and you're just like, God, can you just get me through this? If I can just make it to peace and happiness again, that would be a dream come true for me. I just That's my destination. Maybe you're grieving from loss. Maybe you're hurting because there's a messed up relationship and your destination in life, because there's lots of destinations in life. It's not just the end of your life. It's all the little ones along the way. Maybe there's something right now that if I were to ask you, what is the one big dream in your heart right now that you, there's something you're hoping to achieve, you would all know what I'm talking about there. I want to talk about that today and how we deal with the fact that sometimes it takes a long and probably bumpy and rough road in getting to that destination. And the reality is this, because I, I know that life with God, it isn't always like just perfection right away. It's a process. That grace is a process. That us becoming who we're called to be is a process. In the lives of Abraham, the lives of Jacob, the lives of Simon, Peter, it wasn't that they just got the new name and they're just a new person. It was this incredible, beautiful process of becoming. This process that was a lifelong journey. And what we understand is that life and the celebration that we have in life isn't always about where we end up, but it's in how we got there. Amen? And so some of you guys are going, no, I'm not going to say amen right now because I'm hurting. And the reality is that it is hard and it does hurt. And so here's some stuff that God's been teaching me along the way because I've been on this kick of going, God, I just want to embrace our new identity. What do you have for Anchor Church? How do we get there? You've given me some, some glimpses of the future. I want to get there right now. And God's just going, I want you to learn to embrace the journey. Listen to this quote that I heard from Louis Giglio. Louis Giglio is this, this pastor some of you guys know about. He's done those indescribable videos where he talks about the planets and the solar system made by God. He's one of the mentors to Chris Tomlin, who's a worship leader. Anyway, he's a phenomenal speaker and pastor, but he said this quote. He says, if you take time out of the process, you take great out of the result. Don't despise the grind. Embrace the journey. And I want to talk about today about embracing the journey, is that you learn from the journey. And even in my journey 
to Disney World where I was on that plane and I was cramped. Man, I had to learn some stuff. Mental note, use deodorant, brush your teeth every single day. People around you will be much happier. That was something that I learned on my journey. It's like simple, silly, but seriously, what is it that God's trying to show you right now that you may be going, no, God, I just want to get there right now. Kids are in the car. You're driving all the way to North Shore. They can't wait to go to the beach. And what do they do every five minutes? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Anybody got kids? You remember that? Or you know that? Like on the way to church, even this morning, are we there yet? I want to learn today, and I want to talk about how God's been just speaking to me about embracing the journey. And there's three words that I want to talk to you guys about if you're taking notes. And the three words are destination, direction, and decisions. I think in order for us to really come to terms and to, to embrace the journey rather than reject it or to speed it up or wish that we could press fast forward on our lives and jump to the end of it, is you've got to understand your destination, your direction, and your decisions. I believe it starts with discovering the destination. In other words, where do you want to get to? Where are you trying to go? And this is the thing we got to understand about God. If we could show that first picture with God is he can take us anywhere. Here's obviously, here's planet Earth. And if you understand that your de destination is, is being discovered as you partner with God, then literally anything's possible. And sometimes we just want to go, well, I, I, I'm stuck in this place right now in my life, and I just, I don't think there's any way for me to get through it. I don't think I'll ever get to that destination. So I'm going to set my sights real low, and if I can just make it that far, that's good enough. And what you got to understand is that God loves you and he wants the best for you. And if I'm setting my sights on where do I want to travel around the world? Do I want to go to Ireland? Do I want to go to Australia? i got to understand that with today's technology, that picture of the, the earth that's there and today's traveling abilities that we have, it's not like 100, 200 years ago. We can literally go anywhere on planet earth if we have the right money and we have the time to do it. But see, what God's trying to say is what are the things that in your life that you may be thinking is impossible and it's too far-fetched. But he's going, but if you partner with me, you can discover that I can take you to that destination if you're willing to dream big, the dream of having a great destination. I think it starts with this. you got to have God-sized dreams, and you got to pray God-sized prayers. See, some of us sell ourselves too short. We limit ourselves. We're never going to get to that destination because it just seems so impossible. Well, Jesus himself in Matthew 19, 26 said that, you know, with man, a lot of stuff is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And if we'd remember that, we'd, we'd actually dare to dream big, then you're going to take a look at your life right now and, and not go, oh, this is the best it's going to get. Uh, Pastor Tom and I have been talking to someone that's going through a really hard place in life right now, in their marriage and things that they've done, and it's looking really dark and grim, and it's looking pretty bad. But the guy is holding on to God, and he's believing for something that, in his own words, he would say, this is the best it's ever going to get. This is as far as I can take it. My life isn't going to get any better. I've, I've ruined it beyond all repair. And from human appearances, in my human, in my flesh, in my mind, I'm going, yeah, you're right. That's pretty grim. However, we serve a big God. We serve a God of the impossible. And I've seen God turn marriages and lives around that have been in a worse way. And so we're going to go ahead and pray and we're going to dream that everything's going to be restored and that God's going to do something incredible that only God can do. But it starts with us dreaming the God-sized dreams and praying the God-sized prayers. Let me tell you about a story that one of the stories I love in Scripture in Joshua about the life of Joshua. If you guys know Joshua, he's the guy that kind of took over from Moses. Moses led the Israelites, you know, the 40 years in the wilderness and all that. And Joshua took over, leading the Israelites into the promised land. And there's a point 
where God is going before Joshua and he's going, you're going to come up against all these armies, but I'm going to give you victory and you're going to conquer this land. So here's Joshua going, there's all of these people out there, but I have a dream and a promise that God's going to give us victory. And it looks impossible because all these, all these armies and nations are against us. And in fact, they're ready to do war with the Amorites one day. Joshua and the Israelites are ready to go into battle against the Amorites, which is basically a gathering of all these other nations. There's five armies that are coming up against Joshua. And Joshua is going, look, we're fighting them. We have some victory. And God, it looks like we're going to beat everybody. But you know what? The sun's about to set. And if the sun sets, they might get the upper hand. Everything's going to go dark, and we're, we're going to have to come back tomorrow, and we don't know what's going to happen. So he's a little bit worried, so he prays this crazy prayer. You guys know the story, the one that I'm getting to? Here's what Joshua prays. It says in Joshua 10, 12, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said this, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon, the land that he was in, and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. Now talk about a God-sized prayer and a God-sized dream. Here's what Joshua's actually asking. He's not just saying, well, God, I hope we can win this victory. He actually prays the incredible God-sized thing that only God can do. God, I'm asking that you would literally stop the sun in the sky so that we can have the extra hours of daylight so that we can defeat everybody. And you know what? The God-sized dream, the God-sized prayer got answered by an incredibly big God. Look at the next verse. It says, so the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There's never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. You know why God answered that prayer? is because Joshua had enough guts and he dared enough to ask, that he had a big enough dream, he had a big enough prayer that God goes, that's the kind of prayers I like to hear my kids pray. See, if, if you've limited your dreams to what you can achieve, then there's no room for God in that. There's no need for God in that because you just look at yourself and go, I did that and look at me. But well, we serve a God that says, no, I want to I make you an example. I want to bless you. I want to give you the best life possible, not the good enough life possible. Amen? He doesn't want us just to have like, oh, that's good. I'm glad you achieved that, Carl. He wants to go, Carl, I'm going to blow your mind. You trust in me. You step out in faith. Watch what I'm going to do with your church. Watch what I'm going to do with your life. Watch what I'm going to do with your relationships, your job, your whatever you're facing right now. If you have the courage to dream the God-sized prayers, that's when you make room for God to step into the picture. You guys get what I'm saying here? It starts with having that destination where we dream big and we ask big. Jesus said, you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Here's Joshua going, I dare you to stop the sun in the sky. And God goes, oh, you don't think I can? Watch me, right? And he answered this incredible prayer. See, I think we need to stop asking for the the little destinations and really dream big. If you're in a place right now where your marriage is broken and you're going, God, I want to pray to get to the destination where my marriage is really good. I believe you need to kick it up a little bit more. And you need to say, God, I don't just want good results. I want great results. I want God results. That means I don't just want my marriage healed. I want my marriage to be an example to the marriages around me that I have a living testimony that people are coming to me because they see an incredible transformation that only God could do in my marriage. I'm not going to simply pray for good enough, God. I want to pray for the God-sized miracle. Amen? Think about in your jobs right now. There's a guy I remember who was praying for months and months in our church, prayer card and everything, reading it. God, I need a new job, a better job. 
And we were talking about in, in service one day about praying for specifics, praying for specifics that only God could pull off. And so he started asking, hey, Carl, I took, I took you up in your word, praying for big, audacious goals like Joshua, sun standstill prayers. I prayed instead of just for a better job, I prayed for one that pays me well, that's close to my home, that I don't have to have any traffic in, that actually has good people at it, that would give me good hours, and I want everything. I was going, yeah, that's good. Then I'm going, oh, man, I don't know if you're ever going to get that. That's, that's too much. Like my, my own selfish doubt comes into play, right? And guess what? Within like about three weeks, he comes to me. Hey, guess what? I got a job. I'm like, yay, praise God. He goes, I got more money than I thought I was going to get. It's like two miles from my house. He goes, I work with good people who are actually Christians and go to church, and they're encouraging me all the time. I got the hours I want. I got the whole package that I wanted. I got everything that I wanted, and I'm just blown away. And here's a guy that goes, I did it because you told us that we should ask for it. And I'm all, that wasn't me. That was Joshua. And you know what? It worked. And praise God, when you have enough courage to actually make room for God in those destinations. So discovering the destination is the first thing is, is God, what do you have planned for me? Not just what I think, but I want to have the, the big thing. Dream big. But here's the second thing. Once you've decided on that, God, this is what I want. In, in the job, in the area of money, in the area of the strongholds in my life, the temptations. I want to be free of that and helping other people. See, I don't think God just wants you to become a really good, life-changed Christian. What I think God wants is for you to be a life-changed Christian who's actually changing the lives of other people and bringing other people to Jesus Christ because that's the God-sized vision. Are you guys seeing that right there? It's not just about the little. It's I'm going to dream big. But you got to choose the right direction. If I'm saying I want to go to Ireland, there's a lot of ways to go to Ireland, right? I could fly this way, west around the world, east around the world. I could stop at different places. I could book different air travel agencies. I could try all these different things. I could do all of my homework on figuring out where's the best place to eat when I go to Ireland. Where do I want to visit the Guinness factory? I think that's so cool. You know, I want to visit all of these different places. But I got to follow some directions to get there. It's good to have a destination in mind, but I got to go with, with directions, now, here's the thing that you got to understand I'm learning in my life is God's directions are always the best directions. See, I can, I can try to plan the church and grow the church and do all this stuff if I'm, like, focused on I want Anchor Church to be this, this great thing. Or I can say, God, I don't really know how to get there, but I'm going to trust you. And it's blind faith. And it's really trusting in, a, like, a GPS that God is our global positioning. Look at Acts 17, 27. I love this verse. God was showing this one to me strong the past couple weeks. It says, this is Paul talking, and he's telling people about God's purpose in life for us. And it says, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And you know what I get the impression is? When you trust God with directions, he doesn't give you the full outlined perfect way. It's that you've got to constantly be feeling your way toward him and holding on to him. And see, that's scary for some of us. We want to get to the destination. We want to do it our way because we can control everything. With God, it doesn't work out that way. God says, I want to build a dependency on you that you realize that I'm your helper, that I'm the one that's going to go the best way. You guys ever seen, I, I, I've, I'm fascinated with blind people, how they get around so well in this world. And some of them rely on a friend by keeping their hand on their shoulder, or some of them rely on a seeing eye dog. You guys, have you ever seen that before? I'm fascinated with that because I'm thinking, the amount of trust is incredible that you have in a dog to lead you across streets and to guard you from traffic, to walk around things that are a hazard and a danger, and that these 
blind people for their life to get to where they need to go is they're trusting. But it's not like they're just automatically there. It's constantly every day I'm having to trust because I can't do this thing on my own. I need someone to show me around. And I think what God is trying to say is I like the fact that I want you to constantly be feeling your way towards me and depending on me because then I'm going to be able to lead you to the perfect place because if you could open your eyes and see you would think you could run there faster, but God's going, just hold on to me, be dependent on me. So the directions I need in getting to my destination is God has the best directions, keep seeking him. See, it's super easy for me to get distracted by myself. If I've got uh, destination and goals in life, I could easily say, look, I'm pretty smart. I know how to do things. I rely on myself. Other people recommend, hey, Carl, you should do this. You should do that. What I got to listen to is block out all the other voices and say, God, you're the only direction for me. It's always the right direction. See, here's the thing. I've been battling with Google Maps lately. It's been like a new game of mine. Anybody use Google Maps on your phone? It's pretty cool. They used to be really, really bad before. Do you guys remember when they were kind of bad? They worked on that. They've gotten really accurate now. Did you guys ever see the episode of The Office with, um, uh, what's his name, Michael Scott and Dwight, and they're going so much by the GPS that, like, it says, turn right now, and they turn and go right into a lake, right? Remember that? Their whole car's like, ah, oh, and they went right into the lake. Well, God's not like that at all, okay? God is 100% in accuracy, but lately I've been driving around a lot, and I've been enjoying trying to, like, challenge Google Maps because there's places that I know how to get to and I think I know the quickest way. The other day I was driving with my family and I'm like, well, it's telling us to go. My son's water polo game is at this school, but I think you're supposed to go this way and it's like turn left here, back street, tight turn. I'm like, ah, this guy's going to be totally wrong. I go, you know what? Let's just risk it anyway. Let's prove him wrong. And we go the back way and I'm totally like, what is this back route? I don't know how to get here. And guess what? It saved us like five minutes. We got there faster and Google wins again. I'm so bummed. But here's the deal. If you trust God, there's going to be times that you're going to look at it and go, no, that's not how you get there, God. And God's going, trust me. But are you going to choose your directions or are you going to choose God's directions? In your relationship right now, there's things that you could be going, if I say this and I say this, I'm going to have the leverage and it's going to work out. And God's going, here's my way, shut your mouth. (laughs) Don't talk at all and it will actually, I'll get you there faster and it'll be a shortcut to peace and reconciliation in that relationship. Or you could do it your way and argue your way into a blind alley or you can choose me. Does that make sense? We got to choose the directions that God is leading us because God is always right. Guess what? Sometimes the road is going to be bumpy and sometimes it's going to be dark and it's going to be confusing, but there's a purpose to that. God knows what he's doing. Do you ever think about this, that it may be that you actually have to date a few wrong relationships and wrong people so that God could lead you to the right one? and that you appreciate what you got, and that in the bumpy relationships over here, he's teaching you something, he's building your character, so that when the right one appears, you'll know how to have the best relationship for the rest of your life. Do you guys ever think about that? See, we're so quick to focus on the negative, and sometimes God's going, no, that's, it's a bumpy road, but the bumps are necessary because I'm trying to get something amazing to happen in your life. And there's, I'm always reminded of Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, where God's speaking, and he says, you know what? My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, Carl. Don't you just love to add your own name in there sometimes when you feel like God's speaking straight to you? Hey, Carl, by the way, my thoughts are nothing like your silly, stupid little thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. 
For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's one that we probably should read every single morning when we wake up. To stay in the right route, to stay in the right direction, to trust God as the GPS and to not think you know the back roads and the shortcuts that only God knows for your life. He's smarter, he's bigger, he's better. He knows the best way to get there to your destination. And you know what? His timing is perfect. Do you know that sometimes when you travel, you could travel to a great place, but your timing is bad. Like take for, for instance this. The first time I went to Australia, super excited to go to Australia. It's July. We're all hot and sweaty and summer here. And I'm thinking, oh, I want to go to, to Australia in July, the beaches, the sun. I'm going to go jump in the water and everything. Come to find out Australia, southern hemisphere, it's dead of winter in July in Australia, right? And so you're like, wait, it's this cold actually? And it's so different. And see, the thing is, if I'm really looking to go to the beach and do all of that stuff, perfect timing would say leave at Christmas here and go do Christmas in Australia where you're going to have the beaches and all that. And I believe it's like that with God. We may think the destination's good. We may, may think the best way to get there. We got all that unlocked. We're in control. We know what's going on. And God's going, it's all good, but the timing's terrible. No, I don't want you to get into that relationship right now because it's a train wreck. That person isn't ready for you and you're not really ready for them yet. No, it's not time to change jobs yet. It looks like it's all lining up. Wait for my timing. It may take longer and it may be bumpy, but there's a reason. It's building character. It's doing something in you. And so your thoughts are higher than mine. He knows what he's doing. It might take longer, but man, it's worth the experience. Here's the one vision that I always have because I like to drive to the North Shore, and I told this to you guys how many times, is that there's two ways to go to the North Shore. There's freeway and there's around the island. And around the island always takes longer, but around the island is always a better payoff, always. You go freeway, you get there faster. The reality is if there's no traffic, you only get there like 10 minutes faster to the North Shore. But if you take the long way around the island, you know what? You experience the beauty. You experience all the beaches. You experience stopping for like shrimp trucks, shave ice, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? There is so much more to, to experience and to enjoy when you take the long way around the island to get to the North Shore. And so for me, as much as it's always like, oh, but I want to get there faster, I always want to go the long way around. And it's that way in life. Are you going to follow God's directions or your own? It may be bumpy, but again, what did Louis Giglio say? Embrace the journey. There's a reason why it's taking so long. But here, once you've got the destination, you figured out you're going to go God's directions. Now, here's where it gets down to the nitty-gritty. It starts where you're at right here and right now, and it starts with the small steps. If I want to make my way to Ireland, Australia, wherever I go, I've got to start planning right here, right where I'm at, right now. You know what it starts with? If I need the money to get there, then I better start working some extra hours to be making some extra money. I need to stop going to Starbucks every five minutes, and I need to save money, and I need to start putting it away for a trip to Ireland. I need to go and check in at my work. Can I have these dates off? Can I block these calendar dates out? Can I figure out what the weather's going to be like over there? Can I buy the right clothes? Do you guys understand that in order to go on a trip, there's a lot of planning that starts right where you're at right now? And in life, God wants to take you wherever he wants to take you, whatever the destination is. But you know where it starts? Where's that picture? Can I get that last picture? It starts right, not there. <laughs> Dramatic effect is being lost right now as we start small steps. Come on, one more. It's almost there. Hey, there it is. 
Oh, it took a while. We got there. Embrace the journey. It starts right there. You know what that is? That's us. And that what you're pointing at, that's this tent. It starts right now. The destination, the goals, the dreams that God has for you, the direction he wants to lead you in, it starts with where you're at right now. The decisions you make right now as you're sitting in church, as you walk out these doors, the small decisions matter. Did you realize that in getting to that long-term destination, it starts with the little choices that you do now? Well, I want to travel the world. I want to do this. Well, I better make the small steps. I'm not going to have that Starbucks. Save that five bucks. Save that eight bucks, whatever it costs nowadays, and put that towards my vacation fund. But it starts in life with the small decisions. Start where you're at. God's going to direct you, but you have to start moving, right? If you want to drive somewhere, it's great you have GPS, and it's great you have a full tank of gas. But if you don't put the, the car into drive and start moving, God can't get you anywhere, and I believe it's got to start with taking the small steps in the right direction that will eventually lead us to where God has for us. Psalm 40, verse 2, one of my favorite psalms in the whole Bible. It says this, God, talking about God, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. And you can look at that and you can go, that's powerful. You're in a dark place, a hurtful place, a hard place, and God picked you up and he put you on solid rock. That's cool. But to me, that's not the focus. The focus is in those last few words that says, he steadied me as I walked along. You know what that says? That means every one of my steps matters. That God's going to come alongside and steady me only as I do my part and I start walking. And what does that look like? Well, if I want that new job or I want that money, then what are the small steps I need to do right now to start start walking in faith and going, I need to start learning to manage my money. I should read some books on that. I should, I should do this. What if it's like, I want my life to be changed. I want God to bless my life. Well, the fact that you're sitting here in church right now is a small step in the right direction. You're here to receive something from God, and God is going to build that into a dream come true. Eventually, he's going to do something big. But it's, he steadies me as I walk along. The small steps matter. Think about this. Remember David, greatest king of Israel? He was this, this man that was a man after God's own heart. Everybody loved him. They looked up to him as this king. You know how he got to be a king? It started in the way that he treated sheep when he was a young boy and he was a shepherd. Think about that. The way that he was a shepherd towards sheep actually built the type of character and the heart in him so that he could be a king that was loved by his people, that he treated his people well all those years later. Do you guys understand that? How you treat the sheep is going to determine how you become king over the people. I believe as, as a pastor in a church, God's taken me through a lot of hard times and a lot of difficulties and different things. But, you know, the, the bottom line is that whether I was in a small church or I'm in a bigger church or in the future, however big God is going to make our church, it all comes down to people. And we, the church staff, believe this. If you don't have honesty and integrity and love and compassion for people now, you're never going to have that when you get big. You'll lose it if you don't have it now. Here's what I think about small steps. You're in a dating relationship right now and you're learning to not get distracted and have an eye for other women or other men or whatever else, then that's going to affect how good of a husband or wife you're going to be someday when you end up getting married. Too many of us think, doesn't matter now, because when I get married, everything's going to be good, and I'm going to be faithful to this person. Look, if you're not faithful now in the little things, you're not going to end up being faithful later on. Does that make sense? So there's like a, it's a scary thing, but it's also a really good thing. You take the small steps in the right direction now, and God's going to ensure that, that you're able and ready to receive the blessing that he has for you later. The small steps matter. How you act as an employee right now will determine how good of a boss you'll be when you get promoted later on 
and you have employees underneath you. It all matters. In the midst of hard times you're going through, it's how you talk, I think, that matters. When you're struggling with something, and I've, I've been through going through some, some tough stuff before in my life, and there's a temptation to do one of two things, either to not talk at all, bottle it all up, and internalize it, and just let the hurt and everything overwhelm me and me deal with myself. There's, there's one end of it. Or it's the other end of it where I just want to go blab to everybody and gossip and talk negative on people I have conflict with. And I believe the sweet spot is in the middle when you're taking the small steps that say, I'm just going to open up to a couple people that I trust, and I'm going to make steps of integrity and, and not gossip and getting, finding people that are going to believe in me and pray with me and be on my team, but I'm not going to gossip to everybody else. And I'm not going to internalize it all on my own. My small step is I'm going to choose to share with these people. What do the small steps look like in your life? Because the small steps matter. Proverbs 15, 15 says, just as small as an attitude change. It says, for the despondent or the miserable or the down and out, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. You know, that means that I have a choice, a small step every day to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, man, my life is a mess. There's stress. There's all this going on. And guess what it says right there? It says that every day is going to bring trouble because I just welcomed it in with my attitude. But for those that wake up every day with a happy heart and they're embracing and they're thankful for all that they have in life and they're focusing on what's good and not on what's bad, it says that it's a continual feast. You know what I've been learning? I've been learning to be a big, healthy eater when it comes to the spiritual things of God lately, to wake up in the morning and go, God, it's another day that I get to live for you. Thank you for, and I count all my blessings. Thank you, man, I'm just feasting on the family that I have. I'm feasting on the job that I get to do. I'm feasting on the roof over my head and all the blessings I have in life instead of waking up and, and focusing all that's negative and it's wrong with my life. Simple little attitude shift brings about huge results. Zechariah 4.10, this is what God thinks about the small steps. He says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I think that's really cool that we should celebrate the small steps that you're taking towards reaching your goals because it says God celebrates them and we should celebrate them too. Even if it seems like, oh, I took three steps forward and then two steps back. Well, you know what? Celebrate that one step that you are farther than you were before. Celebrate every forward step in your life. If you're just like, you know, it was just it's the smallest thing for me to show up in church today, but it was kind of a big thing. Well, make it a big thing and celebrate and go, God, thank you that I came to church today. Thank you that I held my tongue when I could have argued against someone. Thank you, Lord, that I'm learning to save just that much money because it's going to get me to that place where I need to make that in the future. What are the small steps? God is celebrating them. You know, when my daughter asked me every five minutes in the car on the way to drive somewhere, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I don't have to focus on the negative. I can focus on, no, we're not there yet but we're farther than we were five minutes ago when you asked, is that you focus on the positive rather than the negative. We're not there, but man, look, we've made some progress. And in your life, are you recognizing and appreciating the good that God has done? Yeah, you might be in trouble and it might be in a hard place, but guess what? You're still moving forward. Those small steps matter. See, the best life possible isn't always about where you end up, but it's how you got there. I want to share this last story to end with. This is a story that just recently happened, a big kind of a neat life lesson about embracing the journey. I went to a conference uh, last week or the week before in San Diego, and it was a conference called Summit 500, and it was like a, a, a conference put on by our denomination, the Foursquare Church, for churches of uh, membership of over 500 people. 
And it was basically on churches that are, that are fairly big and learning how to better reach people for Jesus with the size of the church you are. That there's certain things at this level that don't apply to a church of 40 people, a church of 150 people. But when you're in a church of 500 people or more, there's a different kind of set of dynamics and, and ways that you can go out there and be a blessing and influence this world and see people find Jesus. So I'm there, I'm taking notes, and I'm all excited, and I'm, I'm learning a lot. But the guest speaker on the first day is a guy, very qualified guy. He has a church of over 13,000 people on a weekend. Can you imagine that? Some of you guys have been to those kind of really mega churches. Just to put it in perspective, we're a church of about 1,700 in attendance on a regular weekend around here. But they're a church of 13,000 people. Now, he also oversees this whole um, ARC network of connected churches, hundreds of churches that they're coaching and they're blessing and they're helping them to grow bigger, to reach more people for Jesus, to not lose the heart of Jesus as you grow and all that. Just an amazing guy. His name is Rick Bizet. He pastors a church in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He came to our church a few years back, and he was a guest speaker. Do any of you guys remember Rick Bizet? Some of you guys remember him? Here's the thing. A few years back when he came to visit our church, I was in probably the worst place in my entire life. There was some just craziness. I don't want to get into details because I don't like to do gossip and all that. But just from my perspective, I was hurt beyond where I have ever been hurt before. Just crazy conflict and relational stuff and just weird stuff going on. And I was really down and out, losing sleep, losing weight, the whole deal, hurting. And I actually went on sabbatical. The church said, look, you need some time. Focus on God. Read some books. Get some counseling. Uh, focus on family. Love God. And, and just get healing. And in the midst of all of this controversy and conflict, like, people left our church. A bunch of people left our church. Some people were believing gossip and lies that weren't true about us. Some people were just like, I can't go to a church where my pastor's in turmoil. I don't know what's going on, so I'm going to go somewhere else. We lost money. Our staff was hurting. And this guy... Rick Bizet came in, and he, and he didn't just guest speak in the church, but he actually met with our staff because the staff was like, we don't know what to do. We're, this is, the whole thing could crumble. I was literally at the point where I was talking to people, and they're like, well, hey, if you don't ever come back to being a pastor again, here's a different way of life you could do. And I'm like, well, are we really in that place? Like, what the heck is going on? I couldn't understand why all this was happening to me. God, I serve you. I'm a good guy. Why is all this happening? And I just, it was a tough place. Well, this guy, Rick Bizet, came in, and he spoke with our staff. And he said, you guys, let me coach you. This is a really difficult place you're in as a church right now. And a lot of you guys didn't know that, and I get that, and that's good. We did our best to kind of shield everybody from what was going on. But we were hurting internally, the staff and, and myself specifically. So Rick Bizet comes in, and he goes, you're going to have to do some layoffs of some people. You're going to have to get control of the budget. You're going to have to restructure some things. Pastor Tom had to step up, and he was an interim pastor for about three, four months. And he was just like, oh, I'm not ready for this, but we got to do this. It was a rough place that we were in. So Rick Bizet came in, and he coached us. And, well, not even me. I didn't even meet the guy. He came and coached the staff, and he, he had to make some tough calls, and he went back to his church. So I'd never met the man before. So he's at this conference. He's a speaker. And I just felt compelled to walk up to him and to, to thank him. So I just said, hey, Pastor Rick, I'm, I'm Pastor Carl. I have a church in Hawaii. And um, you came and spoke at our church a few years back. And he goes, oh, hey, give me a hug. He goes, oh, good to see you, man. Good to see you. And I said, no, you don't understand. I said, you've never met me before. I go, I was the church that you came to 
with a pastor that was broken and messed up and going through an incredibly tough time. And our church was crumbling on the inside out and things were happening. And you came in and you gave advice and wisdom and you spoke life into our staff. And I just want to tell you that means a lot. And he, he pulled me back and he looked at me and he goes, you're that guy? <laughs> he goes, you're that? He was like shocked. He goes, oh my gosh, you're here? In other words, you made it? He knew how bad that thing was that we were going through. He's like, you made it. He goes, and he just pulled me in for another big hug. And he's almost with tears in his eyes. And he goes, I'm so glad that you're here. I can't believe you made it. I am so blessed to know that you're here at this place where it must mean that your church is growing and thriving in a good place. He goes, I cannot believe that you're the guy. I am so glad to meet you. And he just hugged me again. And it was like one of those, like, I was like kind of laughing, but I was like, oh, this is kind of a holy moment. And you know what, what, what it was for me? It was a lesson for me about embracing the journey because that journey that I went through sucked. Can I say that? I'm going to say it because I lived it. I don't care what you say, judge me. He said sucked in church. It sucked. It hurt me bad, guys. And you've been there, so let's be real. But you know what, what happened was God was going, this is necessary, Carl, to get you, your staff, your church to have the absolute best heart of integrity and compassion and to set you up for the victory with humility. There's stuff you're going to learn in this thing, in your marriage, in your, in your staff, in your work, with your kids. I'm going to make you better, but it's going to hurt like H-E-double-L, right? It is going to hurt real bad. And what I was able to say was with Pastor Rick that day was, man, I stayed faithful. I took the small steps necessary. I kept the direction aimed at God, and we are now living out the destination. Have we fully arrived? No, we're not there yet. God's got a whole bunch more for us, but we did more than survive. We're thriving. We're growing as a church. We're, we're thriving. Our staff is better. Our lives are better, but, man, it hurt. And here's my message to you is embrace the journey. Learn to embrace the journey you're on. There's power in the progress. There's beauty in the becoming, and there's joy in in the journey. So hang in there, whatever you're going through right now, because God is still working. He's still moving. You've got a destination in sight. Your directions are aimed at God. You're taking small steps for it. You're right where you need to be. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you today for uh, the journey. Lord, we do. Some of us, it's hard for us to actually say out loud, but we thank you for the journey, Father God. It's tough, and maybe we're in the valley right now, but, but Lord, there's a lesson for us in the valley, and there's something that draws us closer to you in those times that are so hard. So God, we're going to choose today as a church to embrace the journey and start right where we're at and start making the right small steps, the right small decisions that may seem like they're, they're insignificant, but Lord, you celebrate them, and so we want to celebrate them too. Whether that just means simple little attitude changes, words that we don't use, getting rid of distractions, not listening to influences and people that are bad for us, but Lord, every small step is counting towards our future glory and the destination that you have in mind for us. So Lord, we just commit our ways to you, and we ask you that you would help us we can't do it on our own. We need you as our GPS. Show us the way, Father God. Help us. Some of us are new in the faith. We don't even understand. Lord, make it simple. Make it clear. We want all that you have for us. Lead us in that direction, God. Help us to embrace this journey we're on. And for those of us right now that you've never taken that first small step, which is actually just saying yes to Jesus, to actually deciding that he's going to lead you and you're not going to lead yourself. You're not going to let your friends lead you. You're not going to let what the world has to offer you lead you. But you're going to choose today to take that first step to say, Jesus, I trust you and I'll follow you and I give my life to you. And if I'm talking to you this morning, you know who you are. 
you're a person that's never made that decision, that first step, I'd love to say a prayer with you. I'd love to lead you forward in this first step towards Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray right now. Our eyes are closed and heads are bowed. And I want to pray with some of you right now to allow you to, to make those words and make that commitment to let God lead your life to say yes to Jesus and all of his plans for you to really become a Christian and embrace this journey that he's called you to. So if that's you and you want to make that decision with every eye closed and head bowed, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand when I count to three. All that is is a symbol that I recognize that I get to pray with you. What an opportunity, what a privilege for me, and what an accountability for you to say, to let someone know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this step right now. I'm going to take this step. And then we're going to go ahead and pray a prayer together after you let me know. I'm going to pray the words out loud. You just pray them quietly in your heart. God sees your heart. He hears you. You can tell someone after service, but right now, this is between you and God. So if you want to make this the, the prayer of your heart right now, on the count of three, would you lift your hand? One, two, three. Would you hold your hands up and would you leave them up high? Because I want to recognize you. I want to see those hands. I see one hand over here. Two, three. Good. I see you. I see you. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Thank you, Father God, for those hands. I saw at least 12 people here today. Um, 13, someone else in the back over there. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and put your hands down. 14, right there. Praise God. Put your hands down. I want you just to make this the prayer of your heart. This is the most meaningful prayer you'll ever pray in your entire life. Here we go. Just own this prayer. God, I'm here today because I need you. God, here's my step of faith to say that I could give my life to you, that I believe in you, that I trust you. I believe, Jesus, that you came to this earth to go to that cross to pay the price for me, for my separation and isolation away from you. Lord, that you paid the price for that by going to the cross, by giving your life, Lord, so that I could be brought back into relationship with you. And not only did you die for me, but God, you rose from the dead. We believe that Jesus, in the form of a man, a human being, literally came out of that tomb on the third day, risen again to life, defeating death, defeating sin and shame and guilt and all the baggage and the issues and the junk in my life so that I could have an eternal relationship with God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which lives inside of every believer. So, Lord, I'm thankful. I acknowledge that. I believe it. I receive it. From here on out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live it the rest of my days. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, I want to be a new creation. Forgive me of all the wrong I've ever done. Lead me forward as I read your word, as I go to church, as I get baptized. Lord, everything that you're going to do in my life, my answer is yes. Yes, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. I give my life to you. I will follow you from this day forward, and I will embrace the journey that you have me on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's praise God for 14 people this morning. Amen.